good morning. I love you guys. I'm glad you're here today. Man, that worship was awesome. I love, love, love singing with you guys. You guys sound great. Even better at, now that I'm up here, I'm looking at you, you look great. And um, man, we're glad you guys are here today. Um, man, one of the, one of the joys um, of doing ministry for me thus far is every year that I've accomplished another year is exciting for me because that means I've got to spend more time and meet more people and hang out. And I just love, love, love this church because I've been able to meet so many cool people and you know, do life with so many cool and different new people, and I just love that. I love, 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 love hanging out with people. Um, but about, <clears throat> I graduated college in 2004, and um, I, we even go back before then. In 2000, I graduated from high school, and I went to Bible college, and I met uh, a guy named Robert Benzinger. And um, I didn't really know him that well. I just knew, um, just knew him through a mutual friend, and we kind of hung out, and at through college, I'd come to Orlando. I would stop by through Jacksonville, and I would do spring break um, and hang out with, with Robert Benzinger. I graduated uh, from college, got to Jacksonville, Florida, where I first started ministry at, and I began to do ministry with Robert Benzinger. And um, if you've ever met someone before, or let me ask you, have you ever met someone before where, like, you just you want to be around them all the time because they're so sticking funny? They're just, they make you laugh all the time. But better yet than that, not just that they're funny, and the more you get to hang out with them, you realize they are funny. But more than that, you realize they just they love people more than anybody that you know. They love everybody. Everyone they see is, is, is going to become their friend. And he's just contagious. And he's just the kind of guy you want to be around him. And, and uh, today I was sitting back there, and um, that guy walked into the, to the building. And I'm like, oh, my stinking goodness. I cannot believe Robert Benzinger. All that played out. I didn't say that to him. All that played through my mind. It was like just moment after moment, all the good times. Um, one of my favorite memories of Robert Benzinger, Robert's like, hey, man, we found this awesome little ski lift. We, you got to go down this ski lift. You got to go down this with us. And so we got this little side place. You, you got to go down it with us. And I'm like, cool, I'll go down with you. I said, but I'm going to watch you guys go through it. I'll stay behind you guys. Um, and I feel like skiers typically are faster than snowboarders. So I'm like, I'll stay behind you guys. I'll watch everybody, make sure everything, everything goes. And so we're in North Carolina, and we're skiing down this thing, and we're in, we're in Boone, North Carolina. And he's flying. I mean, this guy... Big old guy, but he could fly on those skis. He was just fast, 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 fast. And so we're going down this mountain, and I'm falling, and I'm like, man, this is like, it's one of those, it's, we're Floridians, so it doesn't matter if, when you go to North Carolina, if you see this much snow, you think you're in Colorado. You're like, this is awesome. <clears throat> well, I've been skiing long enough to know, man, this looks like this snow is going to run out eventually. Well, man, Robert was flying down that mountain. And I was like, man, there's, this snow was running out. And we come around the turn, and he's still flying. Then I look up, and I'm like, man, that, those are rocks up there. Those, that's, that's not snow anymore. That's not even, and a lot of the times out there, we were jumping over the patches of dirt and all that stuff. It was fun, but, man, I remember, bro, you flying through that mountain, and he hit those rocks so stinking hard. His jacket was shredded from just all over me. He just hit, rolled, hit, rolled, hit, rolled, hit, rolled, hit, rolled. And so those are one of my, that's one of my favorite memories of you. I don't know. That's all I got. <laughs> no one loves people more than that guy. I don't care who you are. I know a lot of people who love Jesus and who love people. And I don't know anyone who loves people more than, than Robert Benzinger. I'm so glad you're here today. And he's going to be here for a month. And if you could, pray for him. He's here because he's, he's a hard worker. This guy's worked hard as long as I've known him. But he's here because he's having health problems. He's here staying with his dad in the area. He's going to be here for the month, I think. Is that what you told me? For the month. And so just pray for him that his health gets better. Um, I hope you um, have been with us. Um, if you look around the seat, there's a paper that looks like this. If you didn't get one last week, it's our 21 days of prayer kind of guide. If you didn't get one last week, you can get one this week. If there's not one on the seat next to you and, and you want one when you walk out today, you'll be able to grab one of those as well. But we've been praying. I've loved, loved this season of prayer. There's something about when we're all praying together as a church, we're all reading the same thing in the Bible together as a church, 
and, um, and we're, all, we're all taking away something. So I, I was at a community group this past week, and one of the guys was like, man, I'm, I'm fast on social media. And, um, and that's just where I'm at, and some people are, are caffeine. That's me. It's been the longest seven days of my life. And, um, <clears throat> but I only got two more weeks, and so, so someone said to me today, like, when the two weeks, like, when, when it's over, will you go back to coffee? I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, God made coffee for us to drink it. Why wouldn't I go back to it, you know? And so, you know, I saw someone post the other day, I'm not addicted to coffee. Coffee's addicted to me. And so I got to get back to that coffee. And so I love praying. And God, one of the things about when you're, when you're being intentional about praying and, and you're seeking God, that God begins to reveal things to you. And I love that and I hate it. But God's been revealing some things to me that I need to work through and work on. And between God and Diana, I'm going to get it right eventually. <laughs> and um, so I just, I love spending time um, with God and growing through this. Tomorrow we're going to be in John chapter 8. But I'm going to give some of you guys a head start on John chapter 8. I'm going to break some of that down for you guys today in our time together. Um, but before we do, I want to just open up a little bit because you, you guys are, maybe you're just joining us for the first time. But we're in a series called No Other Name. And we believe, as we have sang thus far, we believe there's no other name like the name of Jesus. And so when you think about a name, you all have a name in here today. And either when people say that name or, or you hear that name, there's a, there, there's a feeling or emotion that goes through your mind or through your head about, uh, about that name. Uh, not only the thing about that name, like your name, you, you may like your name, but isn't it something when someone else calls your name? Depends on when my kids call my name. I, I, this week I realized this, uh, moms, I, I love you guys. But I, um, you got it, moms, you got to get sick of hearing the word mom. Like, as much as you like that title, you like that position, you've got to get sick of hearing mom, mom. And here's why I know you should be sick of it, because I get sick of my kids saying mom to my wife. And um, now I'm just like, hey, she doesn't want to talk to you. Go away. You know, I just answer for her. But it's like, mom, my mom, my mom, my mom. And when she, and here's where it gets, it gets worse, moms. Whenever you answer your kid, what do they do after you answer? They still saying mom again. I'm like, you, I'm, now I'm like, hey, I'm talking to my two and a half year old like this. I'm like, sweetie, you already got her attention. She heard you. You don't got to say mom anymore. Just start talking. She's listening. I promise you. Is If it's me, it's questionable. But if you're talking, she's listening to you. And so we hear that, we hear our name and we hear your name. But when you hear the name Jesus, you automatically think of something. Here's some names I wrote down from, for this week that, that I thought were, were names that may have a, something that rings in your mind about these names. But the name Muhammad Ali, that name means something. That name means something. And <clears throat> the name Mother Teresa, that name, it means, it means something. Because when you hear a name, an identity comes with that name. With the name Jesus, there comes an identity. And one of the things that we want to know, one of the things that, about reading through the scripture is we're learning more about God's identity. And the more that you read someone's identity, you can identify with that person. And you can eventually become more and more like that, that person or, or that name that you're trying to identify. Last week we looked at the fact that there's no other name will fill you when the world tries to spill you. There's no other name that will fill you when the world tries to spill you, and the world will try to, to spill you. I, I, I gave you this phrase last week, but the world will waste you if you let it. The world will waste you if you let it. The world's designed to waste you. The, the world is designed to spend you. The world is designed to take what you have and, and to take it from you and, and to leave you when you get done, when you're spent, you're left empty. So we, we looked at that last week, and uh, number two, we looked at last week, that there's no other name that will sustain you as the devil tries to steal from you. There's another name that will sustain you as the devil tries to steal from you. The Bible says in John chapter 10 that, that, that Satan comes to kill, steal, and to destroy you. That's what, that's what Satan wants to do for you. But the good news is the name of Jesus, it wants to fill you. It wants to give you an abundant, this, this life that's actually over, overflowing. 
I, I know overflowing well. I, I was in a community group last year, and uh, one of my kids got sick, like, during the community group. Remember this story, Rob? My kid got sick during the community group, and that, that's embarrassing. But it, when you can't just, like, pack your kid up and leave. Like, my kid throws up in the community group. Like, just, and people are like, oh, your kids are so cute. There's two things that are not cute about kids. I don't care how, how much you have kids or how much you love kids, but when a kid throws up on you or around you, that's not cute. And when a kid has a diaper, that, I call it ED, explosive diarrhea. Those are two things that are never, ever cute. They're never, ever good. No one ever likes that. That's not, no one can get over that. They'll remember that forever. Well, my daughter had thrown up, and so I had grabbed some clothes, and I had took it into our washroom, and I turned the water on, and I began to let the water fill up in the sink. And I went back to the community group, and because I've got great memory, I went back and turned it off. No, I don't have great memory. <clears throat> and I get sidetracked very, 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 very easy. I'm sidetracked now talking. And so, he, so I, let it, I let it go and I, I get going. And that night, Diana was leaving to go to town for three or four days with her mom. And so I'm sitting there and, um, and it, we're, we're having the group and we're having a discussion. We're having dessert. Because one of the good things about community groups is you always eat good. And the dessert, the food's always good and dessert's always good. The conversation is just a bonus. We really just get there because we want to eat and, and drink together. And so we're together and we're having this group. And Rob goes, hey, bud. It was one of those hey buds, like not like a good hey bud. It was like a hey bud. And you know, like for guys, like we don't got to say anything. I think I think guys, we kind of know when there's an emergency around, we don't want to say it because we don't. Our wife's gonna magnify it and freak out, and wives do that. I don't know if your wives do that, but some wives are known to do that. Guys, we're cool, calm, and collective. So he goes, and I look down, and it is like a rapid of waters flowing out of the thing. The water is filled up. It's dumped over. It looks like a pipe had broken out, and it was just like. And it, water's just coming, rushing through. And uh, I thought, oh, man. <clears throat> so I, obviously I'm like, oh, shoot. Then I remembered. I always remember, but later, and too, it's too late. But I'm like, oh, shoot, I left the water. It's not a broken pipe. It's okay. I'm trying to explain to him. And I'm running in there, and I got to put on a boat. And, like, I'm canoeing through to get through there. And I turned the water off. The water was just overflowing. And God wants to overflow you. Satan wants to steal from you. But God only wants to flow into you and pour into you so much that when you, you're so full that what comes out of you is Jesus. What comes out of you is, is love. What comes out of you is joy. What comes out of you is peace. What comes out of you is patience. God, give us patience. What comes out of you is all good and not all bad. Because there's already bad in you. Like, he doesn't want the bad to come in. He wants to suppress all the bad or not suppress it. He wants to cleanse all, cleanse all of the bad and overwhelm you with so much positive and so much of him and so much of the Holy Spirit that you just come flowing out the Holy Spirit. That's what he wants to do in your life and through you and in and out of you. He wants to just fill you up. He wants to sustain you. He wants to fill you up. But I want to look at two other things today, if you will. If you have a Bible, turn over to John chapter 8. <clears throat> John chapter 8. It's a familiar story maybe for some of you guys in here today. And again, you'll be reading this tomorrow in your, in, in your reading plan. Um, John chapter 8. Here we go. Oh, that's today. John chapter 8. Today. It's today. Today's the second, right? Yeah. So here we go. John chapter 8, verse 1. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back at it again in the temple. When, he's, Jesus, is in, when Jesus is around the temple, he's always teaching. When you're the guy that writes the Bible, it's kind of, it's like when you write a book, you go around and you tell people about your book. You're kind of like, you're kind of like your own PR guy. Well, Jesus is his own PR guy. He's going around, he's in the temple, and he's teaching the Bible. So imagine today, for those of you guys that are that are, you know, that are mind wanderers like me, we're, he's at a church service just like this. And someone's teaching the Bible, I'm nothing like Jesus, so in this story I can't be Jesus, okay? But imagine some, he's in here teaching us, you and I today, and we're sitting and we're listening. 
And as he's doing that, the Bible says, a crowd soon gathered, and, and he sat down, Jesus sat down, and he taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. So Jesus is teaching. And one of the things I've noticed, and when we read the Bible, and when you, when you're, if you, if you, again, if you want to join with us on this 21 days of prayer and fasting, you can go to our Facebook page and follow the 21 days of prayer. And we're kind of giving like um, people are posting in there and just kind of adding comments and things. But one of the things I posted just a couple days ago is that what you'll see in John chapter five and four, five, six, and seven, and even eight, and keep on going, all the Jesus haters are showing up. He's getting some momentum. The Bible, in John chapter 1, the Bible says, it starts off with this very, very awesome verse. It's a a verse that we all should memorize. The Bible says in John 1, verse 1, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. My son asked me the other day, Dad, when's God's birthday? I'm like, man, great question. He doesn't have a birthday. He has always been. In the very beginning. When was the beginning? It was way before anything. It was way before whatever happened after that. We we pick up in Genesis and Adam and Eve's story, but God has always been. He always will be. When When this earth passes and it does... He, will always, he always will be. When you pass on this earth, he, he won't pass. He, he's always been. He always will. So in the beginning was the word, and the word was God. We see him. He's doing miracles. He's doing miracles. And then he does enough miracles that now all the haters are showing up, and they're all bashing him. All the religious people are showing up to say, hey, let's try to trip him up. Now, mind you, Jesus knows all the Old Testament laws. They're trying to trip him, trip him up on all the Old Testament laws because the, the age of grace, or this, this, the grace that we talk about, it's not been done. Grace doesn't happen until after the cross. Now, some people debate that, and that's kind of a, and, and I don't want you to think I'm, I'm missing it. I believe God has been gracious, God's gracious. But the, this grace, this, this, this under the grace that we talk about where Jesus come, he died, and he rose again three years later, it hasn't happened yet. So up to this point, everyone's following the Old Testament laws. There's over 600 plus laws. Imagine trying to memorize those. So we get those. We get those. Um, we, so they're trying to trip them up. And they're doing that. So they bring this woman who has, who's, who's living in sin. And she's, she's made a mistake. And if you're in here today, we've all made mistakes. We've all messed up. Everyone in here has done that. We say it every week at our church. Everyone has hurts, habits, and hangups. And this lady is not like, oh my gosh, so this lady. This lady's like, oh my gosh, she's just like us. She's human like us. She sins like you and I. That's, that's, the story, that's where this is at. So they bring her here and they say, Teacher, <clears throat> this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says you're supposed to stone her. What do you say? The law of Moses says you're supposed to stone her. What do you say? Verse 6 says this. They were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stood up again and said, all right. Before I read what he says to them or going on any further, when you read this stuff, it's good for you and I as, as Christians, for you and I to have a, a study Bible. I use a New Living Translation, and it, there's, it's called a study Bible. Or if you want to learn more about the Bible, whenever you read something, you're like, man, I don't even know what that means. You can go to, the, you can go to Google and type in John chapter 8, commentary. You can just type those in. If you don't have a, we give, out, we give out a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one when you leave today. But if you don't know a lot about the Bible, then you read this and you're like, man, this, this, is, this story can move pretty fast if you just read it at face value. But here's the deal. He says to them, hey, teacher, what do you say? Now, mind you, I, I want you guys to know this because in, unless you've read up on this like I have, you, you may not know this. If someone's caught in the act of adultery, what happens is you bring the, 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 the man and the woman and you bring them before the people and you stone them. 
Now, when we think of stones, we think of sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. These guys, it's more of a digging out a big pit, putting the people in the, in the, in the pit, and dropping boulders on the people. How about that for church? <laughs> like, this is sick. They, that's, that's stoning them. That's dropping big rocks on these people and, 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 and injuring them severely. This isn't like until their death. So they basically bury them under rocks. That's, that's a stoning, not like we're throwing baseballs at them. We're, they're trying to kill them. So in this story here, they say, hey, <clears throat> what do you say, Jesus? Jesus doesn't say anything. He doesn't address the fact that, hey, where's the man at? Where, where's the man? How come you only brought the lady? Where is the, and more, more, so, more so yet, I've heard a preacher talk about this before, but he's like, how do they, find, how do they catch this person? How do they, how do they know this is going to happen? And, and some, some of these guys I've heard speak this suggest that these guys, that these religious people that brought this lady, they actually know the man personally that the actual act was happening with. But they don't want to sell him out, but they brought, they brought her. So you catch in like the magnitude of this story. It's not like, hey, she messed up. It's like, hey, they both messed up. Only the girl's there, and, and, and Jesus, we want to know what should you, what would you do, Jesus? And I love what Jesus said. Jesus always has perfect answers. And if you're in here today and you're seeking something, don't go to the internet to find the answer. Don't go to your friend who isn't a follower of Jesus for the answer because they won't give you the, the, they won't give you the best answer. Like, I, I love to counsel people. I love to encourage people. But I like to encourage them to go back to this book and find the answer here. I love when Jake Brown said to me one time, is literally every answer out there to every question ever out there, is it really in the Bible? As an eighth grader, this kid asked me that question. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, where's my wife's name at? <laughs> I'm like, my dog. <clears throat> I'm like, well, I'm not going to tell you what I said to him. But I'm like, there's a, there's a way to live a life in such a way that God will give you the answers to the things that you're looking for. And so the, in this book, there's answers to life. There's answers to the questions. And so Jesus says to them, Jesus, what do you say? And Jesus' great answer is like, drum roll, here it is. They kept, he, it says verse 6, they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him because he had haters. But Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. A lot of people have asked the question, what did Jesus write? You want me to tell you what he wrote? I don't know. But I can speculate. And you can speculate. That's what, I like about, that's what I like about this right here. And I think Jesus put it there because he wants you and I to wonder. More so than that, Jesus, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. And you want to get to the point in your life where it would be great if Jesus could just bring a whiteboard out and say to you, David Janney, this is what I want to tell you. Gabe Boyd, here's what I want to tell you. That would be great if he did that, but he doesn't do that. And gives us godly leaders in our life and godly people in our life. And he gives us his word. That's what we have. We have godly people in our life and we have God's word. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit. For the moments like this where you're like, God, what are you trying to say to me? And God's like, hey, all I want you to do is just to come with me and get close to me. And I'm going to write. I'll know what you said. Now, here's what I know about the story. I know there are some people who know what he wrote in there. I know there's some people who know that. You want to know why? Because he wrote something. And the Bible says there was a crowd around them. And I believe this, the people that saw were the people that were the closest to him. And if you want to hear from God, you've got to get super, super close to him. Now, she was there on a bad. They walk in there and they throw her on their ground. If you watch this, you can Google this little image. And it's obviously not, they didn't have cameras back then. But you've seen like um, um, Hollywood enactments of this. But they throw her down. Here's what I think today. I think that Jesus wrote that thing because he wanted the lady to see it. That's what I think. Like, Wes, what did he say? 
I don't know what he said, but I know this. He wrote down so that he could show her that he, whatever he wrote, he wanted her to see it. I'm going to tell you what I think it said in just a moment, but I want to finish this, the story. It says here in verse, um, <clears throat> verses, all right, um, verse 7, he goes, but they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up after he wrote, and he said, all right, guys, I want the one, uh, let the one, let the one who has never, ever sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote some more. He stooped down and, and wrote some more. So he wrote, he said, I'm sorry, guys, any of you guys that have never, ever sinned before, all you religious leaders, you go ahead and throw the first stone and we'll just follow suit one after the other. And it says here in this passage of scripture, verse 9, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Side note, the older people left first. We're a young church. Um, and I'm always asking for more of you guys. I'm asking for more leaders. I'm asking for people to jump on board. We're going to do next steps right when church ends today. We want more because some of you guys are so gifted. We just need your gift. Because God didn't give you your gift so you, that you can say, I have a gift right here. It's in my pocket. He gave you a gift so you could use that gift. And so we want to know what your gift is in next steps. And we want to make sure you use your gift. Because here's what we know. When you use your gift, you're doing what God wants you to do. And here's another thing we know about your gift. Only you have that gift. I don't have that gift. And here's what I want to say to you. If you're in here today and you're old, and you're like, man, Wes, I need to know if I'm old or not. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I've done this a couple times. I've gotten in trouble a few times. You know if you're old or not. <clears throat> you're like, you're a pansy, Wes. <laughs> you got scared mid-sentence. So what? You're not up here at the microphone. You'd be scared too. He's not talking about an age here. I mean, he, he may be. But he's saying, those of you guys that know better, like you've been around long enough to know about God's grace and God's love and his mercy. Those of you guys that have never sinned before, side note in here today, here's what I was going to say. If you're old in here today, we want you to know we need you. We need you. We're young. I don't have all the answers. People around you don't have all the answers. We need you. If you're old in here today and you come to this church every single week and you just pop in and you pop out, well, you know, we need you. If you don't have it all figured out, I call mentors every week or I see them and I ask them because I don't have all the answers. I don't want you to know I don't have all the answers. I want you to know I'm not perfect and you guys know that. I realized this this week. I've grown up, you, you, all of you in here today, you're teaching me how to be a pastor. Scary, I know. <laughs> I've never done this before. We're going this together. We're learning together. I've learned a lot from a lot of you guys in here today. Old and young. I've learned a lot. Robert and I, Rob Benzinger and I, we're the same age. I've learned a lot about loving people from him. We need you. If you're in here today and you're older, we need you. If you're young in here, we need you too. We need you. This church needs you. We want to encourage you. We want to fill you up every single week. But we need you. We need you. And to we figure out, like, here's what I know. I don't know how to use all of you in here today. There's no secret to that. I don't have all this figured out. <clears throat> Until I figure it out, start helping anyways. Just find someone. 
We're a people church. We need more people, and we need the people to love the people that are around them. That's what we need. Ella's in here today, and she's 33 weeks pregnant. I don't even know where she's at. Oh, I found you. She's 33 weeks pregnant. And Emily over here, she's 33 weeks pregnant. Can I tell you what they both don't know? Moms in here, they have no idea what's about to happen in seven weeks. That's when the lady's like, uh-huh, amen, that's right. They have no clue. Because it ain't like what you see on the videos. You can go to those classes. I didn't go. If your wife wants you to go, Chris, you better go to the class. But what I'm saying is, like, I didn't go to those classes, but here's what I know. It ain't like what you see on the video. It's like World War III is what it's more like. <laughs> You're like, that sounds miserable. For some of you guys that are thinking about having a kid, just that's what it's like. Just Google World War II and just magnify it. That's what you get. That's what it's like. We need you guys in here today. They need you. We need you. Just say, hey, man, I want to get with you. I see your stomach popping out. Make sure you solidify the fact that it's pregnancy and that it's those two girls that I was talking about. Make sure you don't want to be like, hey, you're pregnant. Like, just solidify that it's a pregnancy and say, hey, man, I want to spend some time with you. I want to, I just want to pour into you. If you have any questions about this whole pregnancy thing, we want well, you know we're, we're here for you. We're cheering you on. We're going to help you. I told Ella this week, we're going to help her. We're going to be there for her. We don't have all the answers, but we're going to be, we're going to be around her. And we're going, to, we're going to put our arms around her and, and help her through this season of life. So he bends down, he writes again, let the one of you guys that have sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and he wrote in the dust. Verse 9, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away from, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with just him and the woman. And by the way, if it just ever gets to the point where it's just you and Jesus, you're going to be fine. That's where he wants you at. That's where Jesus wants you. He wants it to be just you and him. <clears throat> then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Verse 11 says, no, Lord, she said. And Jesus says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. I want to give you two things based upon this passage of scripture that we learned from this lady that Jesus wants you and I to know. There's no other name that can heal the pain from your past. There's no other name that can heal the pain from your past. Note that I didn't say you can heal your past because your past happened, it's already happened and it's back there. But no other name can heal the pain that you have received from your past. There's no other name that can do that. I wrote down this also for you, and some of you guys may wanna, wanna write this down or you maybe wanna capture this, but your pain shouldn't make you, your pain should break you. Your pain should, should make you, not break you. Your pain should make you, not break you. Sometimes I start talking so dang fast, like, I, I get like man, you just said that wrong. Your pain should make you not break you. Your pain should make you not break you. You gotta take that pain, you gotta bring it to Jesus' feet and say, Jesus, I need help. I have a lot of things about me that aren't right and that I, that I work through and that I'm trying to, I try to get right and I try to do the right thing. I try to serve God, I try to love Jesus, but I wanna use those things. When I see people that walk in that have the same dysfunction that I have, I can relate really, really quickly with them, real quick. Because I've been where they've been before. I've said this a long time ago, I stole it from Giselle many, 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 many years ago, but people wanna see if you have a scar where they have a wound. You get around people and you get around Jesus and God can begin to help you with that pain. Because no other name can help you. No other name can heal. No other name can help that pain that you have from your past. Your pain should make you, not break you. I wrote down this, the moment you meet Jesus, your past is erased. See, you know, Jesus in here, the story right here, this lady has a pretty deep past. Jesus is not frustrated by this lady's past. 
And Jesus isn't worried or, 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 or boggled or confused about your past. So if you're going to be where God wants you to be and you want to go where God wants you to go, then you've got to realize that you're, you have to let your past go. You have to begin to let God heal you from that pain. I had some guy tell me this. Some people, they want to be hurt, Wes. They, 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 want it, they want to stay hurt. And I believe that. Some people want to stay hurt, but if you want to go where God wants you to go, you want to be where God wants you to be, you've got to make a decision first that I don't want to stay where I'm at. I want to, I want to go to something greater. <clears throat> I believe past hurts and pains is one of the greatest diseases in America today. People paralyzed by their past. It's, the greatest, it's one of the greatest diseases in America today. There's a lot of diseases out there, and that's one of the greatest ones. Because there's people that are sick in the hospital, and they're not going to get better. They're not going to get better. They're going to go. I got a call this past week that one of our friends, her mom, her mom died. There are, there are people, they're, they're not going to leave a hospital. They're not, they're, not, they're not going to. But the disease of the, the, the crippling, the, the paralyzation of, the, of our past, we actually aren't in a hospital. And we actually know a doctor that can actually fix that. And his name is Jesus. He actually can fix that pain that you have. And so what happens is that you can get better. You actually, when you get that, the Bible uses the word, you get a cloak. When you, when you give your life to Christ, you actually get clothed in righteousness. And so what happens is I like to equate that a little bit, that you, you actually get a, a robe. You actually get a doctor's jacket because God heals you. He puts a clothed righteousness on you, and you get to go help other people that have the same exact pains that you have. Because hurt people can help people, and hurt people can help people a lot better because they know what that hurt is like. Hurt people can help people. So there's no other name that can heal your pain from your past. Here's the second thing. <clears throat> Here's what I believe that he wrote down next. I'm gonna give you the second thing and I'll tell you what he wrote down. The Bible, I believe that there's no other name that's already in tomorrow preparing, you, preparing for your future. There's no other name already in tomorrow preparing your future. There's no other name that's doing that. Now get your mind around that for a second, okay? God is working with you right now on your past. He's trying to heal your past. But while he's doing that, because he's omnipotent, he's everywhere, I love what my kids say to me, you know Jesus has heard you say that, Dad? I'm like, yes, I know that. I went to Christian school too. I get it. You know, like, why? There's no, Jesus, he's, he's everywhere. He's omnipresent. While he's helping you today, working on your past, he's already in your tomorrow, working on your, on your future. There's no God can do that. I love what Diana said today, but man, if you go to different religions, you ask them where their God is, they point to a grave. For us as Christians, we don't point to a grave because our God's alive. He's not dead. He was, was barred and he rose again three days later. We can't point to a grave. We can only point to Jesus. That's all we can point to. So while he's working on our past, he's like, hey, you're going to make it. You, I've got a plan for you. You've got a future. He's saying that, but he's getting ready tomorrow because he knows that you want to cash in on it. And for everyone in here today that wants to cash in on it today, all you have to do is come to him and be ready. He's already prepared to cash in on the note. If you're in here today, you're like, man, I'm trying to figure out what cash in on a note is. If you're young in here today, when you're, my kids ask all the time, where's money come from? If you write a check today and you bring that to the bank, the bank's got to make good on that money amount. If it's in your account, they, they can. I write you a check today for $100. You go to your bank and they take it and they, they make good on the cash. It's just a piece of paper. But if there's no money to back it up, it's no good. So here's what, he, here's what I, I wrote down in here today. Here's what I believe today that Jesus says to her. So he, he writes, he, he gets on his knees and they throw her down and she's there. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm asking myself this question, what in the world <clears throat> did he say? What did he say to her? And the band can come forward. I, I'm done. Here's what I think he said. I, I don't know. And I've, I've, I've preached this text a couple different times, but 
Here's what I like to think that he says. I like to think that he wrote down the word. He wrote the word you, and I thought she thought, oh, great, he's gonna, it's going to get worse. Maybe her countenance fell. I don't know. And then I think he wrote down the word have. And I think she's thinking, you have a, I have a problem. I think she's thinking, you have a problem. I think, she, I think she knows that she has a problem. She, these guys have brought her there, and they throw her down. And I think he wrote down the word A, and I think, man, man, you have A. And I think she's playing like, you know, word cross. She's trying to figure out what he said. And I think that day he wrote down one more word. And it's the same word that he wants for you and I to have today. And I think the last word he wrote down is, I think he wrote down the word future. I think he wrote down, you have a future. And I want you to know today, if you're in here today, and you've lived a life, and you have your hurts, and you have your past, and you have all your issues, and you know all of them because you know them. You don't need someone to remind you of your past. You live in them. You, you have them. You know what they are. I think you got to get to the place where you have to begin to realize and believe that this lady here today that's in the Bible, it tells a lot about God's character and about God's grace and about God's mercy, obviously. But it also tells us that we can be a human just like her, and we can go from where we are to where God wants us to be. And I want you to know that you have a future. I love what the Bible says. The Bible says in the scriptures in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 23, the faithful love of God never, ever ends. His mercies never, ever stop. What if I'm bad, Wes? What if I sin, Wes? Well, you're going to sin, and you are bad. <laughs> I am bad. We aren't good. The Bible says there's no one good. There's, there's no one good. There's no not one. Only Jesus is. His love never ends. His mercies never stop. Great is God's faithfulness. His mercies begin fresh. A fresh. A fresh. I love that word, fresh. Fresh. His mercies begin afresh every single morning. Now, I don't know about you guys in here today, <laughs> but that's a God I want to serve. That's a name that's a name I can spend my life talking about. That's a name that I could spend my life trying to figure more about. That, that's a name there. I mean, that's a name that I could brag about forever and never, ever be embarrassed to talk about. You ever say some names like, oh, I'm a little bit embarrassed by the name? That's a name I'll never be embarrassed of. A God that's always there, always fighting for me, helping me with my issues and my stuff to get me beyond that point A because he has a point B for me to get to and he's already in tomorrow working on that. He's already working on that. I love that name. And that's a name where there's none other name that are like it. I'm going to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes.